also some people have asked us to do an episode on loneliness. Loneliness. Yeah. They got into a rich conversation and they came to us and said, hey, we'd like to hear what you guys have to say. About loneliness? About loneliness and and how so, that's maybe so different. Hold on. And being alone. Loneliness and being alone. Like how, what is, what is the relationship between those two? How might they be different? So basically, they're asking us to talk about our feelings. Yeah, particular feelings. Yeah. So have you guys been alone? Do you feel lonely? Is that what they're asking us? I don't, I don't actually know. I don't know if that's what they're asking us. Um, I think they want us to talk about it. Um, and I think it always tends to go better when we do share a little bit of our own personal experience. Yeah. Hmm. All right. But I don't, they didn't come to me and say, you know, spill your soul on the episode. Caroline, do you ever feel lonely? Do you ever feel lonely? Um, so, so let's jump in. Let's jump in. I mean, maybe we start with Jesus. Jesus I mean, is always a great place to start. I mean, because we're people of the way mm-hmm. and, um, we are the living, we are the living and it is the season of Lent. And, you know, I imagine Jesus experienced some loneliness in the wilderness. Did he? <clears throat> Did he really? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I'll, I'll ask him, you know, because we're having yeah, yeah. these daily chats. But um, but it wasn't until after the temptations um, were over that the angels came and tended to him. And in one of the Gospels, it says that the, the wild beast came and tended to him as well. Mm. Right. And so I think of him being not so lonely. Um, at the end of his wilderness time because of the angels and the beast. But maybe when he was in the thick of it. Maybe he was in the thick of it. I mean, when I think about those 40 but days... He, of, he had the devil. The, the, well, the devil is a certain kind of... Um, <laughs> a certain kind of a companionship, I guess. Mm-hmm. He's not nobody. Not nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and he, the devil doesn't come along until towards the end of the wilderness fasting. So Jesus was out there alone, but was he lonely? I mean, I would argue that he was alone. Yeah. And not lonely. So let's hear your argument. Well, so, so, so we were talking earlier about how Jesus, um, goes and he it the gospels make a point of saying that he goes by himself all the time um well actually we don't know about all the time it it feels like it's all the time <laughs> i think it's just because we want it to be all the time <laughs> um i think there's a difference there but i when i when i think about jesus experience in the wilderness i mean you have to think about what had just happened his baptism. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, in a lot, and and then the spirit drives him into the wilderness. And I would, I would argue, I mean, if I had had that amazing Trinitarian moment mm-hmm. of baptism, 
and then the spirit led me into the wilderness, I, I think I'd be really loving that time. I mean, it would probably take at least 33 days to unpack <laughs> what happened <laughs> in the Jordan River, right? Sure. I mean, so what a gift to just be alone. To I mean, sit with it. To sit with it and just to let it wash over me over and over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't do very well without food. So I think, I think that that part would have been really hard. Um, not eating and drinking for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, I mean, gosh, I mean, maybe, maybe even the, the devil was like a welcome distraction at that point. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? No, but all to say, all to say, I think to have that incredibly mystical experience and then to be given time to be alone, and this, I mean, the spirit drove him out there, so maybe she stayed around for a while, maybe. you know? Um, and no, I think it would be a gift. Oh, I can totally see that. I mean, even when I haven't had a mystical experience, I've just had an experience. Mm-hmm. I want to be alone so I can sit with it yeah, and let it wash over me. Mm-hmm. And, and so... The, the gravity of the experience for me is it conditions the amount of alone time I, I want or need. Yeah. So um, the closer it gets to a mystical experience, the more days I need. Right. To just let it be and settle and wash over and mm-hmm. yeah, I know I'm the same, but you know, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of people who hate being alone. I know. And, and I wish I were more sympathetic because you're not sympathetic. Well, I'm, I'm sympathetic, but I, I wish I could understand that. Yeah. Cause it's, that's a really hard one for me to understand because mm. I'm so comfortable being alone. Right. Um, And I hear what you're saying. I know lots of people Mm -hmm. who just don't want to be alone. Yeah. They don't want to be alone. And and it's really hard, especially if they're alone for large stretches of time. Right. Right. So, you know, I'm thinking about this example of um, when Aiden, my older son, was about six he came to me and he said, Mom, I think I've got the perfect job for you. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm kind of into this priest thing and it's finally kind of, you know, worked out and come together. But what you got? I mean, because mm-hmm. he's always been this just really emotionally intuitive child. And he said, I think you love being a librarian. <laughs> he said, it's so quiet and you get to read all the books that you would want to. And he's basically saying, you know, you'd have a lot of solitude. Mm-hmm. Like you'd have a lot of time alone. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that, it, I've talked to librarians that don't, they don't actually get to spend all that much time reading. <laughs> but, I, I know. It's a strange, strange dynamic. You know, I, I even considered right out of college because I couldn't figure out what I needed to do in that part of my journey. Yeah. So I thought, maybe I'll get my library science degree. Really? Yeah. Because I thought, like, like Aiden told you, I love books. Yeah. I could sit in a library all day long. Oh, just being surrounded by books all day. Fabulous. Yeah. But let's get back on track. So, <laughs> so, so some of us don't mind being alone. Some of us um, 
really, really struggle to have any time alone. But, but let's talk about how this differs from an experience of loneliness, mm. right? So because you can, you can be with a lot of people, you can be surrounded by people and still feel really lonely. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it is a strange dynamic, and I think we've all experienced that, being in a crowd of people and feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. Like we're not connecting or we're not part of the conversation or we don't feel like we have some of the contribute. So there are all sorts of ways that we might feel lonely when we're, we're, when we're with others. And, but, it, but it also reaches a little bit deeper into the soul, I think, mm. in terms of our felt loneliness. Um, when we're, especially when we're with others and we have that sensation of feeling lonely, mm -hmm. it, it seems like it's, um, it arises out of not feeling like we're seen or heard. Right. And and I wonder, and I wonder if, because um, I don't I don't always necessarily make that connection mm -hmm. to loneliness and feeling seen and heard. Mm -hmm. So it makes me wonder with the with the seeing and hearing, like feeling really heard, feeling really seen, and it does make me wonder about people's experiences with Jesus, right? Feeling. Mm really seen and heard and understood by him. And I mean, I kind of wonder if that is maybe the essence of why so many people followed him, right? Oh, yeah. And um, in these daily chats I've been having with Jesus <laughs> since he came knocking um, a couple weeks ago, it, it is a powerful piece of our dialogue is feeling so seen and heard and understood for kind of the essence of my being, or, or, you know, you might say like in the fullness of my soul, mm. in the wholeness of who I am as a person. And, um, so I think that when we are in groups of people, no matter how big or how small, and we're not having that experience yeah. of feeling seen and heard, not, not just even kind of like at, um, a, a more surfacey level, um, people grasping, you know, our likes and our dislikes and that kind of thing, but, but, but seeing, being seen and understood at a, a more soulful level, um, I do think that's oftentimes as human beings what we're really hungry for, right? To be seen in our essence. And um, I mean, I think there's all kinds of ways, all kinds of things that get in the way of that. Mm. Um, and I, I have a lot of compassion for, for that, for, for all the ways that um, we tend to constrict, right? Like I, I if somebody starts acting in a certain way or um, sharing words in a certain way that start to make me, for example, fearful, mm. then, you know, what, what we know to be true is that like my spirit and my soul contract then. And then I cannot, in that place of contraction, I can't see the person speaking to me. Mm. I can't hear them in, in their fullness because of my contraction. 
Yeah. And do you think, do you think loneliness is rooted in fear? Well, so it's interesting. So the group that approached me about wanting this to be a topic um, was sharing that there is mm-hmm. um, a relationship between fear and feeling alone, yeah. feeling, feel, having an experience of, of loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because when we feel lonely, right, we feel lonely because we go to the extreme, right? What do you, well, what do you mean by that? Meaning, if I'm feeling lonely now, I'm always going to feel lonely. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So, and, and it becomes a place, it gets exaggerated in, through fear, I think. Yeah. And, and so I jump to, I'm not feeling lonely right now. I'm always going to be alone. Yes. I'm always going to be lonely. Yes. By myself. Yeah. And... And, and I think that's where that's where I, I almost wonder. So we we've been reading this book by Sardello on um, on fear. I yeah. forget the title of it. Freeing free freeing ourselves from fear. And freeing the soul. From freeing fear. the soul from fear. Right. Yeah. And and he talks about all the different ways that fear masks itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and loneliness may not be a, a really big mask that fear um, uses, but I wonder about loneliness as kind of masking our fear mm-hmm. um, in, in the sense of it, it does get exaggerated into us and cause so much anxiety when we're not feeling seen or heard mm-hmm. or if we really are um, so uncomfortably alone that we feel lonely. Well, and, and something I was wondering about this morning that I was talking to a friend, um, on the, on the way to work this morning. And I, I was reflecting on how actually lonely, like I can look at parts of my life and actually feel that I actually felt safe in the world Mm -hmm. because I was lonely, right? Mm. That like loneliness was serving me. Huh. Right. There's a certain kind of protection if I don't let people really see and hear me, because if they don't really see and hear me, they can't reject me. Yeah. So it's 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 our way of controlling others. Right. And and I can I can fight people off by saying, oh, they don't see me. They don't hear me. Right. But they I they can't abandon me if they don't really know me. Right. So if I don't let myself be really seen mm-hmm. and heard, then I get to kind of at least have the the illusion of being safe in the world, protected, yeah. because I haven't put anything on the line. Mm. And so we, we create our own sort of circle of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Sometimes and, I think we do. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I when I look back in my life and I can see those places so clearly, um, it's, it, it's painful to look at. Mm. Um, and there, there really is something that I have to own around, Oh, that was a protective move on my part. Right. That was, that was really a, a move of fear. And it was so easy at the time to just blame everybody else Mm -hmm. for they don't see me. They don't hear me. Like, um, oh, poor pitiful me, I'm so lonely. I'm which, so misunderstood. Which is how we avoid dealing with our fears. Sure. Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. Those, so those protective moves. Those yeah. So um so loneliness and being alone. So they sometimes go together but don't always. I right, I, yeah. I mean, Sherry Turkle wrote this book called Alone Together, mm. and and she tells this story about her teenage daughter sitting on the bed with her teenage uh, girlfriends, and they're all on devices. They're all mm. on their cell phones, and and they're all in the same room, and they're alone. Mm-hmm. They're alone together. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's easy to kind of um, pick at cell phones and screens as as what's creating our, the situation of being alone together, this kind of loneliness in the crowd. And, and I think, I think it's helpful to own that that's just highlighting what's been going around for quite some time. Yeah. And we, we have such a tendency to silo ourselves even when we're in, in the company of others. Right. And, but there, that healthy sense of being alone, that that I'm comfortable in my own skin, mm-hmm. or or being alone with God, mm-hmm. and and I really wonder. I'm mean, com- coming back to Jesus, if we might. Um, I really wonder about Jesus going off alone to pray, mm. as as actually his way of not feeling lonely in the crowd. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it before like this, but like so say say more. So, I mean, we we all need time um in the closet to pray with God. We all need time to be with God in prayer off by ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can't we can't just be sustained by communal worship. Mm-hmm. We we need some one-on-one time with God. And and I think those are the times, those are those normal daily moments when we can just be with God and become increasingly aware that no matter what's going on in the world, I am never alone. Mm-hmm. I am always part of the more that is God, that is creation. I am always in the process of being created. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I can dwell there with God, just being with God, then I can walk into most any situation and not feel lonely. And, you know, and it does make me think of like when people go hiking, mm, right? Yeah. Like when people are really connecting with God's creation, mm-hmm. I have never heard, I'm sure there's people out there, but... I mostly what I hear is is the connectiveness, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't hear people talk about like when they go hiking, even if they're hiking literally by themselves, that they feel lonely. Yeah, they may be alone, mm-hmm. but they seem deeply connected to the wholeness of God and creation. Um, and so I wonder about and you. I think we're just we're just going there. I do wonder about this idea of like, how do we take that connectedness, right? That we feel in nature, that we feel with creation. And how do we embody that so much so we trust it and then we take it with us wherever we go? Yeah. So in that same book by Robert Sardello, he talks about the need to go off into nature regularly so that we can. Mm -hmm. Because... 
we can't carry with us the wholeness of creation that we're part of if we're not actually out there in it. Yes. And so if I want to carry my sense of wholeness with God and creation in all the nook and crannies of my life, then I've got to be alone with God. I've got to take those walks in the woods. I, I've got to do these things. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah, I'm going to be in crowds or by myself and just feel incredibly lonely mm-hmm. and increasingly so. Yeah. And when I feel lonely, it, it makes me want to fight off connection. Mm. And and that's the that's the irony of our loneliness is it tends to work against our ability to connect with others to connect with God and creation and we don't always realize that. Mhm. And the 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 best the best antidote to loneliness is to be alone well. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's being so deliberate about being alone with God and having those times when I do go out in the natural world, even if it's just my backyard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love sitting on my back porch, which is very small, and and just listening to the birds. I love gazing at the stars at night and in the morning, especially when it's not overcast. And I never feel lonely out there. Mm. never feel lonely. And and there's something about sitting right on the wood of the porch and and just letting myself be and listen to the birds, listen to the squirrels, and and occasionally watching the skunk walk by at night. And I, <laughs> I try to be really quiet so that he thinks he's alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I re-enter... The, the day-to-day ordinariness of life without feeling lonely, mm. whether it's feeling lonely by myself in the office or feeling lonely when I'm in a group of people or, or feeling lonely even when I'm worshiping at church mm. mm-hmm. because that too can happen. Oh, absolutely. I've, I have felt that before. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if our own felt sense of being seen and heard is is not interwoven with our going off alone to be with God or to connect with the natural world. Like, what is it about me going off by myself to pray or just take that walk in the woods Mm -hmm. that enables me to feel seen and heard and and by that what i what i think i mean is i open myself to being seen and heard with others by the natural world or by like by going out no 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 so i i go out by myself and take this walk and i really um connect with with my wholeness in creation or I go off to pray, whether it's in my closet, whether it's at church, or whether it's some, wherever it might be, and I'm just alone with God. Mm-hmm. And, and having those moments when I 
begin to experience myself as part of the more mm-hmm. that is God and creation, I think that is what enables me to open myself to others so that they can see and hear me. So, Yeah, I, I'm tracking with you completely. The other people have to do their work. Right. But if I'm not connecting with God and creation and knowing myself as part of the whole, I'm not going to let them hear or see me. That's right. I'm going to hold myself back. Yes. Because I'm going to feel so... I'm going to feel a kind of inner loneliness. Yes, yes. And that inner loneliness is always going to protect me mm-hmm. from being hurt by others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. So so I think that there's this piece, I, I think this was in a different Sardello book, but um, how, and it talked about how the soul is shy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. Yeah. and And I do think that there is... I do connect with what you're saying that, and, and resonate from my own personal experience, how the more time I really um, allow myself to dwell with God and creation, my soul becomes less shy. Yes. Right? And, and less shy in the sense that I'm I'm okay letting people in. Right. But... I'm okay letting people in because I have first dwelled with God. Yeah, yeah. And creation. Because it, it takes all the fear down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because when I go then into situations and I'm sharing myself, I am held in the experience mm-hmm. of God and creation. Right, because I've literally experienced myself being held mm-hmm. by creation. Right. I mean, I've sat on the ground. I've sat on the rock. I've sat on the tree stump. Right. It's held me. It, yes. I know it's there. Right. It, it reminds me of the, uh, I think it's the Shel Silverstein book, uh-huh. The Giving Tree. Yes. And the tree just keeps giving and giving and holding and holding and it's only later that he finally realizes that the tree's been holding him all along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's. I'm I'm taking everything back lately to um, Viola Davis's memoir, mm. Finding Me, and this idea of the hero's journey. And I think so much of the hero's journey, and and I would say like our call as Christians, that all of us on some level have to do this inner work of being willing to go out into the wilderness to take the hero's journey, whatever metaphor you want to use for it, and to really allow ourselves to be held by God um, and creation, because then we, we come back into relationship. You know, it, it, she talks about that in the, in the intro of, of the book where you know, you take the hero's journey and you come back to ordinary life transformed by that experience with God and creation. Yeah. Right? And so, um, so I think when we're, we're trying to share ourselves um, and we're really trying to see and hear other people, 
Because it's not just sharing of ourselves when we're in in these um, in these circles, but it's also again, it's it's also then our capacity to really see and hear other people without our soul constricting, right? Yeah. So it's like, how do we keep this open soul? both in our sharing and in our receiving mm-hmm. of other people. Yeah. And I think what, what really helps with that is I no longer have to be so reliant on the people in front of me being the only ones that hear and see me. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I do know that I'm held seen and heard in the whole with the wholeness of God and creation then I I become more open to the people I'm with not because I know they hear and see me but I know that they too are part of the whole mm-hmm. and I can be vulnerable even when I don't have the confidence that I'm being seen and heard by them. It, it, it really expands, um, it expands our um, horizon of experience to not only see ourselves in the wholeness, but to see all of us, mm-hmm. everyone in the wholeness. And that becomes the, uh, the context from within which we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, from within which we see, hear, everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it really does, it really does lower the anxiety and fear. And that's, and that's where Sardello says we can, we can drop into heart consciousness. Yeah. Okay, so say what that means. Well, so when I'm, when I'm, aware and attentive to our wholeness, the wholeness of all things. So none of us are separable, divided. Um, when, when I can live in that awareness, then what I'm really living into is what he describes as a kind of heart consciousness where I, I don't get lost in my head mm-hmm. trying to work everything out, figure everything out, categorize who people are. But I, but I see them from the depth of my soul, which is, as he describes, it's a little spot in the heart. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to light and it sheds light on everything else so that I truly see and I truly become aware of the person and what's going on between us. And, and he doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit being this movement between persons. But the way that he talks about it sounds an awful lot like how we might speak about how the Spirit moves between us. And I think it's that kind of awareness where I don't get lost in, in what someone articulates with words, mm-hmm. but I'm actually present with them and, and I hear the, the word beneath the words, as Sardello puts it. Mm-hmm. And we, I, we use this analogy on Sunday, and I think it's been so helpful. So Sarah Ringer, who's a violinist with the Knoxville um, Symphony, she was in Norway playing the, uh, I think it's called the Hard, Hardinger Flela, 
Um, it's a violin. It's a Norwegian violin. And it's got eight strings. And so there's a top layer of strings and a bottom layer of strings. And the top layer is just like a tr- traditional violin. It's, it's the, it's the uh, strings that the bow goes across to make music. But the lower la- layer of strings are called the resonant strings. Mm. And, and they just kind of vibrate and make their sound from the strings above moving them. Mm. But when I, when I learned they were kind of called these resonant strings... It made me think so much about how Sardello talks about heart consciousness as not attending to the the um, the the verbs, the words that are coming out of people's mouths, but attending to the movement mm. between and what the spirit is actually doing in the relationship of two persons engaged in this dialogue. And so, when we listen for the resonant the resonant strings, as it were, then we don't get lost in the particular words and trying to figure out what someone means by it. Yeah. But we attend to what we're creating and um, sharing in that moment when we're with each other. Mm -hmm. And that's when the um, things begin to seep into our bones and we can... um, we can perceive from the heart and and not interrogate from the mind. Right, right. Okay, so hopefully this has opened up some good conversation um, and some, some good things to kind of think about in your own life around when you feel alone, when, you, when you, there's a feeling of loneliness. Mm. And so let's just throw out a couple questions um, that people might want to chew on by themselves or if they're in a group that they might want to think about and have some dialogue around together. Um, So one might be, you know, just uh, have a conversation around this. Have you ever felt lonely in a crowd? Yeah. And and what was that like? Mm -hmm. And I want to say crowd like... I mean, in any group or size. Yeah, any any size group. Have you ever had the experience of yeah being there and feeling alone, mm-hmm. um, even in the midst of people, and and what what contributed to that? Yeah. Um, and and what are the ways that you are intentionally alone that really that really enable you to be with others? Okay, say that again. Like, what what are your ways of being alone, being off by yourself, uh-huh. that actually strengthen your ability to be present mm-hmm. with others? Right, right. And I guess a third question I might have is, when have you noticed your own soul contracting mm. and therefore um, limiting your ability to see and hear the person in front of you? Yeah. Right, like how how did you know that your soul was contracting, and um, and how did that narrow your your vision and and your hearing? Mm-hmm. And I and I just I want people to really wrestle with that question. Yeah, because when when our attention narrows when when we contr- when we contract, mm-hmm. everything narrows. Everything narrows. Our imagination narrows. Mm-hmm. 
our focus, and that's when we we become in, unable to see from that place of wholeness. Right. We're we're so focused. I mean, it's the age old um, can't see the forest for the tree. Uh huh. Um, and and it's we get so locked in on that tree. Yes. That we don't see that it's part of the whole forest. Yeah, the fullness. Yeah, and so I want a second part of that question, actually, which is then, so, okay, so when you can gain some awareness, and like not making yourself bad or wrong, I mean, it's human, we all do it, right? This is not shaming. This is not shaming, and it's not, it's not even, it's really just awareness building, Mm -hmm. but just, but then taking that awareness of, okay, I constrict, and then I have a hard time seeing and hearing the person in front of me. And then, so the second part of this question is then, how might that contribute to my own sense of feeling alone in that, or the, uh, that loneliness in that moment? Mm. And how might my constriction be um, creating a situation where that person in front of me feels lonely? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so those are some questions to to think about and um, think about by yourself and journal or you know talk to somebody that you that you really trust or or risk talking about in community yeah. in a group and and don't forget to take that walk in the woods. Yeah, take that walk in the woods. Go off alone to be in prayer with God. Mm-hmm. These will these will deepen deepen the awareness in your soul that you are not alone. You are always with. God is always with. You're part of the whole. Mm -hmm. Great. As always, there's a lot going on in Ascension. Some really fun stuff. So I hope you'll join us this Saturday, March 4th, for a mini retreat, The Wisdom of Your Body. We'll start off with the first hour and 15 minutes doing a book study on Hilary McBride's book, The Wisdom of Your Body. Then we'll have yoga instructor Mary June Thompson, who's the owner of Breezeway Yoga Studio, coming to lead us in yoga. Uh, So we'll have an experience of embodiment in addition to just talking about embodiment. And on the next day, Sunday, March the 5th, we will have our annual Absalom Jones observance. Absalom Jones was the first african-american ordained priest in the episcopal church and we observe his feast this sunday march the 5th we will have our guest preacher the reverend dr charles lomax with us as well as the berea college black music ensemble as our guest musicians under the direction of emmanuel stokes there will also be a light reception to follow so that you can mingle with others afters And a reminder, that's at 5 p.m. on March the 5th. You don't want to miss it. And looking ahead, just want to get this on your calendar. March 26th, that's a Sunday, March 26th from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll be offering Tools of Aliveness that's going to focus on dialogue, embodiment, and the Holy Spirit. So we hope that you'll join us for that evening discussing Um, those three things and how they weave together dialogue embodiment and the holy spirit so much to be a part of here in ascension and through 
our Center for Spiritual Practice and Learning, Spiritus Knox. Don't miss all the ways to get engaged and become involved. Visit spiritusknox.com or visit knoxvilleascension.org. We hope to see you soon.